This is the Red Sign Podcast, a deep dive into legacy wealth building through real estate. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Red Sign Podcast. I'm uh, Hayden Hewlett. Oh, you beat me to it. <laughs> I'm Clay Winder. <laughs> Holy smokes. What do we do after an episode talking about a, uh, a murder? That's a hard one to follow. It really is. Sure glad you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully uh, some of you have stuck around after that episode to learn about real estate investing. The Red Sign Podcast is primarily focused on building wealth through real estate. And we deviated for fun. Hopefully you guys all enjoyed that and we will do it again sometime. We've sold haunted houses before. I kid you not. So stay tuned for that episode when Halloween comes out. But let's get back into some more good old fashioned real estate topics. This is a good one, you guys. First, update on the market. What in the world is going on out there right now? I get asked that question almost every day, just like everybody has on their mind. What in the world is going on with the market? And there's a little bit of a change happening right now. If you guys have listened to other episodes, we've talked about the market flattening, not slowing down, not going down, but flattening. What do I mean by that? A plateau, if you will. And I predicted it a few months ago. It has come true, and I'm still predicting that same trend for at least a few more months. So stay tuned for future episodes, but there's a little change on our plateau. Hmm. I'm calling it niching. There's niching happening. What do I mean by that? Tale of two homes, tale of two homes. Just this weekend, two homes go on the market, almost identical homes, new construction homes, one in Eagle Mountain, one in Spanish Fork, both in Utah County, but dramatically different markets. The home in Spanish Fork, Multiple offers. We're talking seven, eight offers over the weekend, total feeding frenzy, way above list price, wave the appraisal, send me cookies, bow down, worship, like everybody wanted that house, right? The home out in Eagle Mountain, we actually got an offer, but the home had sat there for two weeks. The tale of two markets within the same market. That's what I'm saying, niching. You can't just group the real estate market anymore to statewide or even countywide. Was it the same seller? Same seller, almost same the exact same home. It, same it was a little different floor plan, but we're talking new construction, same builder, same finishes. I mean, it was it it, it was interesting. Um, right in between those in the town of Vineyard, we've had a home that I promise you I priced it right, but it has been nothing but crickets on it. Like what in the world's going on? Well, if you micro into that neighborhood, five homeowners went on the market all at the exact same time. We had a saturation of a neighborhood mm. and it affected it. It it quieted it quieted the market down. And so this market is is getting very, very sensitive. Uh, six months ago, if you had a home anywhere in the state of Utah, well, let me rephrase that, Wasatch Front, essentially, rural, rural America in general is, is still just limping along and will continue for the rest of our lives. And that's a prediction that I'll, I'll stand behind um, for, for a lot of different reasons. But in the urban areas, if it was urban, even in the slightest here in Utah, it would sell, right? We all know what we went through through the uh, you know the last twelve months. But right now, it's it's niching. I can't think of a better term. If you've got one, please let me know. But it's niching. So before everyone just says thinks, oh yeah, the market's just so hot. I'm going to list my house for way over over value, and I'll still get multiple offers. Will that happen? Maybe. If you're in one of these niches and the and the ingredients are just right, you just you just might pull it off. But then if you price your home like perfectly. But again, if the ingredients aren't quite right, you could sit 
And that is a message I want everybody to hear. It is not. And that's the thing too. People think, oh, the market's shifting. It's going down. My house has sat for a whole three weeks. This is terrible. It's like, no, are you kidding me? We have been spoiled. We, the normal, the norm is that it takes several months to sell a house. Like if you look at the last 10 years or 15 years, like again, a seller's market is when a home sells quicker than six months. A buyer's market is when a home, (coughs) excuse me. A buyer's market is when a home sits on the market for over six months. And here we're talking about weeks. Yeah. 30 days, like. Yeah, it's just back to normal. Pre-COVID, our average days on market was in between three and four weeks, 21 up to 30, kind of bounced around there. We just got cleared down to five. In the heat of it all, we got down to five days on the market. We're just crawling back up. Well, maybe I, I think I know what you were trying to say. And sorry if I misunderstood it and you said it right. But I, what you're saying is an average market where it's neither a buyer nor a seller's market is when there's six months of inventory. Correct. Six months of inventory, which means if every home on the market was selling at that current rate, it would take six months for everything to sell. And not a new home came up. If it takes longer than six months, we're a buyer's market. Less than six months, a seller's market. Yeah. Yep. That's kind of the general rule of thumb. And then, but it's just, nobody even really talks about that anymore because we've been down to like days. Oh, it took a whole, it took two weekends to sell instead of one. What's wrong with my house? Like really like. (laughs) So in your mind, what, what niches, what home or niches are selling or what, who's buying right now? I don't know. All I know is that the general rule of thumb is the the lower the price point, the quicker it'll sell, right? The higher the price point, the the longer it'll take. But I'm telling you, there's weird things happening right now because the home and vineyard that, that has sat for quite a while is not like an abnormally high price. It's just a normal single family home. Mm. Um, and, uh, and it's after a while on the flip side, we've got a $1.3 million beautiful home in Draper. That's off the hook popular right now. So it's just, I don't know. It's weird, but I, I think there's something to, uh, niches and I'll tell you it, this market will continue to be very micro-focused. I think lifestyles, I think walkability, I think transportation has never been more important. People do care about those things. You'll talk to millennials, first-time home buyers that are 20-something years old that will literally ask a question of, hey, how is the walkability score in this neighborhood? Hey, where's local trend? That hasn't happened before. There's like Mm -hmm. new trends, like these young, the the younger generation uh, cares about stuff like that. They care about amenitized parks, meaning that is there yoga in the park on Saturday or not? Where's the nearest farmer's market? That stuff matters. And so I think as communities start to develop and focus on those, those will be some of the niches that are more popular than some of the, I don't, for lack of a better term, boring suburbia. So location still matters, basically. Yeah, real estate. <laughs> no, your location, 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 right? Yeah. That's the ingredient to real estate. That does, and that's why poor rural America, like it's struggling. You just do not see small towns in in, in America growing. You just don't. It, everybody is just the the, and this has been the trend now since the recession, right? The recession really was the. I don't want to say the nail in the coffin to rural America, but it's, which is funny though, because you still run into plenty of people that say, I want that half acre. I want that acre. Like I want the space and it just doesn't exist. I mean, it is like, if you want it, you got to go rural, but then they'll say, oh, but location, location, location. I don't want to go off to, and I'm not going to pick on any small towns because we have some great ones here, but it's, it's a hard decision to make because of commerce and lifestyle. We move further south to get some more land. But you can't go too far south because then you're out of the, out of the party zone. Yeah. We're yeah. right, barely in the party zone, I think. Maybe just outside of it, actually. 
but I like it there. You just need to create your own party zone. It's happening. Right. I can feel it. And that's the thing is technology <laughs> could change that. I'll tell you, COVID, if there's one thing that has been fascinating to watch, it's it's the office space market. And mm-hmm. uh, as you guys know, we do commercial real estate as well. And I've got some tenants right now that are shopping for office space. And so I'm calling these brokers that do a lot of office space. And I've been asking them, how long, how, how much is your vacancy? And office space has had a really good, strong comeback. And, and please fact check me if you're in this, look at the numbers. I, I think the numbers will back it up, back up these conversations that the office market has come back, but it is different. There's no doubt about it. And there's a lot of remote workers still. And that's the that was the one trend, you know, when we were in the thick of COVID uh, about a year ago, last summer, summer 2020, I wondered if, hey, this will be that like CPR jumpstart to rural America. Because I'll tell you, it's not a lack of desire. I think there's plenty of people that say, you know what, to move out to the country and to have that wide open space and cheap housing, like really inexpensive housing is very attractive, but there's just not commerce out there. And there's still a little bit of a lifestyle issue where people still like to be able to zip over to the grocery store, yada, yada. So I, I don't know, it, it, it could change. Um, um, but so far, I, I didn't see the rush. I, I didn't see quite the same rush to uh, rural the rural parts of the state as I, I probably would have predicted. Mm. Um, but I will tell you, we did see a rush into, into almost suburbia, but people want suburban. And I'm not making up that word. It's urban and suburbia kind of mixed. I've heard it before. That came from ULI that talks about that suburban mentality. But that definitely happened because I'll tell you, some people in the heavy urban places where they're touching elevators and they're they're really close together, COVID did make that very uncomfortable. So they wanted to, there, there was some space. And that's why in the boom, if you look at the boom, it was still some pretty suburban areas, but it were still the condos and townhomes and, and things because of the affordability rate. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting world. So again, back to the, the, this market update is quite simple. And that is the market's still trugging along. Yes, you'll still sell your house just fine. Maybe instead of six offers, you'll only get one. And instead of getting it in the first weekend, it'll take two or three weekends. That is the trend right now and upon recording. And I think that's the trend for the next the next 90 days. Utah is seasonal though. When the winter comes on, we generally, not last year, but generally things still just cool off. And again, when I say cool off, I am not talking prices. I am talking about, I am talking about days on market. It just stuff still sells just fine. You'll still get your prices. You'll still get appraised value, probably even a little above appraised value. You'll still push it. It just won't happen as fast as what we just experienced. Uh, Honestly, I I would predict that we'll go back the next 12 months. I bet the numbers look a lot like 2019. So if you want to like pull up a crystal ball, I'd say, what did 2019 do? What was the appreciation rate? What was our days on market? What were kind of the, the, you know, what were kind of the, the trends? I think that's a trend that you can expect over the next 12 months. I don't think it's going to crash. I don't think it's going to boom again. I think we're going to get back to that. I don't think it can boom because we just hit the market. In fact, this is my last prediction. Go ahead. I just want to ask you a question. Are you still- Get in here to the mic. Nobody can ever hear you when you talk. Are you still seeing- um, Investors, like I know we're working with an investor family right now. Are you still seeing like quite a few investors looking at that? I know we have have California people buying investment properties here and we have Utah people buying in Florida and different things happening, but it seems like we've, maybe it's just me, but I feel like we're seeing some more people that have- You're talking about the influx of immigration. Yeah. Or they've just got, they've got equity in their home now that they can use and go buy another rental, go buy another property to, to use as a rental property or something. So are we seeing a, a little bit of a surge with investors right now? Or you, I'm so that? glad you asked that. I, I don't think we've seen the surge yet. 
but we absolutely should predict that surge. And if you're listening to this, here, here's why this is so important. Everybody that owned real estate over COVID just made $100,000 on average. If you take the median sales price, we had 26, 27, 28%, depending on the county appreciation rate. Everybody just got $100,000. Over the next 12 months, everybody needs to refinance, pull out that money and buy rentals. Everybody, literally every homeowner has the ability to listen to this podcast, get jazzed up about buying real estate and investing. And guess what? You've got your 20% down payment because you were just gifted 26% in the home that you live in right now. In 12 to 24 months. Yes. Literally every homeowner over the next 12 months could go refi, pull out your hundred grand, go snag a condo, go snag a townhome. Congratulations. You're now a real estate investor. Everybody was just gifted that. That's going to change the face of America. If the light bulb goes on, I think it takes a a, a while for people to realize, hmm, I have a hundred thousand dollars in my, in my home. What am I going to do with that? I'm going to go blow it on a new boat. No, Mm. buy more real estate or sit on it and keep riding the wave in your, in your, you know, your current investment. And if this, if the real estate market doubles in the next 10 years, like some people think could happen. And you'll do it again. I mean, that's the thing is yeah. investors up until, up until what happened last year, we, we'd still talk about this strategy. I've done it, you know, everyone, but it takes like five or six years, right? You'd say, okay, I'm going to buy a rental. Once I have enough equity built up or I can still leave my 20%, but maybe I've, my, I've gained through debt reduction of making payments and through appreciation, I'll have 20% built up for the next house. I'm going to do it. But it's always taken like four or five years to do that. You just got that in eight months, yeah. like literally from, well, it's been a year. It started about September of last year. You just got it. Everybody got it. If you own real estate, you just got that. You're ready to go. The question is, is do you want to increase your payment where you're at now to help subsidize your down payment on the next one? So hopefully incomes can can absorb that too. Yeah. Which I think they can. I think most people are, are still doing okay. Our economies are still doing okay. And so I yeah. I know where you're going next, which is if, well, not to cut you off, but if with rates as good as they are right now, it really makes it. We're, we're talking to investors that are like, their credit's not even that off. Like it's, it's decent, but they're like, they've got good credit and a killer, and a killer interest rate still, I guess. Is that fair to say? Like rates are really good. Is that going to change? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And rates are, rates, well, hold on, timeout. What was the prediction okay. I was going to make earlier? I forgot rates, it. Rates are going to stay strong. Or I do think rates are going to stay strong. That's a whole nother topic. Okay. I thought maybe that's where we were going next with rates. Sorry. Well, I do want to. I do want to talk about that. Ah, forget it. I'll come back to it. Investors, I'll come back to it. Interest rates are good. Interest right up. Buy real estate. Down. Put money down. Credit's good. What else? So let's talk about interest rates for a second, because this is something that everybody has used fear mongering to. You better hurry. You better refi. You better do this. Rates are going to go up. And if I haven't said it on this podcast, I will once again say it. I am sorry to every listener that has had a realtor or a loan officer say, you better hurry because rates are going to go up. Because guess what? Rates are not going to go up. We've been saying that for 15 years. And the only thing that I've learned over the 15 years is, A, I'm a liar when I say that. And B, the banks have learned how to make a boatload of money with low interest rates. Our interest rates have been down into like the 2% multiple times over the last five years. And guess what? Those banks are fat and happy. They're making plenty of money. Why? Because they're still making money on the money they're lending, the small percentage or what? They're making a big, it's a small, it it's like small percent, but it's amortized. Remember, mortgages are amortized. So they're getting all the interest up front 
and they're making plenty of money and our, and our refi rates. And this is where you're going with your comment before is people are, it used, the average used to be that people were refinancing or selling every seven years. We're down to like five years right now. Mm-hmm. And it's because we're appreciating. And so here's my, here's where you were going with your thought. And that is right now, the, the, the Clay Winder motto <laughs> is that you will always have, not always, but for the most part, us investors, you will always have at least two loans on your investment properties. Because what I found is, at least for me personally, is when you end up buying a rental property, you, 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 you buy it, you get your cash down into it, you catch the bug, you might only have that loan for one or two years, and then you are refinancing to buy another one. And then that refi that's the loan that you sail into the sunset with. So are you doing a cash out refi? Yes. In order to do that? So yes. Why would you why would you recommend a cash out refi over getting a home equity line of credit in a property? Only because home equity lines of credits are are only fixed for the first year. They're variable okay. after that. So yeah. So I mean fixed. go back to my story. Like I said, it would take like four or five years to get that 20%. We all just got it in one year. The, and so last year when I saw the writing on the wall, I was telling all of my investors, hey when you are selecting your loan, and this is the point that I want all our listeners to pay attention to, when you're selecting that first loan, do not pay the extra fees to buy down your rate because it's not going to be worth it because you'll be refining. In a normal market, which I, again, I think we're back to now, so moving forward, you're going to refinance in three to four years because you'll have the equity, you're going to catch the bug, you're going to do it again. Now, last year I was saying, Definitely don't pay the fees because we're going to be refining in one year. And you better mark my words, the properties that I bought in the first six months of 2021, I bet I'm refining spring of 2022 because mm. I've got the equity and I'm aggressive and I want to go buy more, get, go buy more real estate. So right now when you're buying properties, I recommend unless you are like darn sure that, hey, this is the loan I'm going to sell into the sunset. And what I mean by that is you're going to see it through the end of the 30 year or even a 15 year, whatever you choose, usually a 30 year because you want to protect your cash flow. If, you're going to, if that's really going to be your 30 year, okay, fine. Maybe you pay a little extra, buy that rate down. I just don't think that's the case. Mm-hmm. I think you do the loan that has the least amount of cash out of your pocket. Um, you can even get somewhere it's like no money out of your pocket at all, but then you got a really high rate. Maybe you find that middle one you do that with the understanding that, hey, in two or three years, I'm going to do this again. Oh, and I remember my prediction. This is the final prediction. We'll end the podcast with this because it ties right in. Here's why you're going to refinance. Right now, you look at it like, well, gosh, my numbers barely work right now because the, 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 the rents are, you know, they're making the wheels turn, but I'm only cash flowing, say, 50 bucks on a rental. Why in the world would I refi in two or three years from now and pull money out because then my loan will go up and then I'll be negative cash flow? My prediction is that, and I think I've even said this on the podcast, but I, it's stronger than ever right now. Rents, rents have not caught on to what just happened over the last 12 months. Pricing went through the roof. Mm. Rents are next. Mark my words, the 2022, like news story that you're going to see on all the headlines. And it'll probably take until all the annual cycles, all the apartment buildings are all going to be cycling through their leases, probably March, April, especially in May. And they are all going to jack up their rent prices because that's where the market's headed. Pricing did it now and mortgage rates allowed us to do it with, with relative ease, but rents will catch up. Rents just lagged a full year, 18 months, and that's going to be next summer. So next summer, when we're talking about, hey, your little condo that you just bought, yeah, your numbers work, you're, you're getting your $1,600 in rent for your condo. Next year, they're going to say, hey, it's not $1,800. I bet you'll see stuff that's like 10, 15% increase in one year. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And it'll be next, it'll be next summer. And I'll be on the news because that is unhealthy. Like it honestly, it pinches, it's that affordability rate. It pinches our lower income families. Yeah. It's going to be a, it's going to be so expensive to live. And we've always said 25, maybe 30% of your income can go to housing. And sadly, next year, our affordability rate is going to be terrible. And people are going to be looking at 35, 40% of their income just to pay rent. And it's going to be a hard, hard thing for our politicians to deal with and for the world to deal with. And the longer you wait to buy. And... Well, the problem is, is it's going to keep renters renting longer because they can't save up as much. It's it. Yeah. Again, I'm no, I, I'm, I'm not a macro economist, but in the micro, man, I'm seeing it because I, we, we've already, we already got a lot of rents bumped this summer yeah. and we're going to like, and we can't. So that goes back to the whole, are you going to refinance in a year or two and be able to afford it? Yes. Your numbers will work because here in two years, your rents are going to be two, $300 more than you're getting today. And that will allow you to refinance, pull your cash out. Yes. Your payment goes up, but the higher rents cover that payment. Your wheels are still turning. You're moving on to the next rental property. That's why it's safe. So get your loan right now. That's just a basic boring loan. And then get the, you know, do not pay more to buy that rate down right now. And you guys can challenge me on that. Put it in the comments, send me messages. You can send me hate mail, but I, hopefully you guys added all this up. Like it, I think this makes sense, but no, it, I, well, we're starting to see the rents jump. And, and I've raised my rents. Yeah. $300. One of them, no joke, $300. And well, no, no, no. $250, $250 higher from last year to this year on one of our properties. Is it vacant right now? No, the whole reason I did it is because that's what they offered. I had multiple tenants fighting for it. And we like did the whole price escalation, but on a rental and said, well, who's willing to pay more? And three college girls says, we'll pay more because they got three of them. They can afford to, and they offered more and done sold. So it kind of goes back to what Devin was telling us too the other day when we talked to him. Yes. Don't be scared to raise your rents if you have a property. Yes, guys, go back and listen to that podcast episode where we interview, what's Devin's last name? Galland. Galland. Yeah. He's the apartment manager, which by the way, we're going to get another apartment manager um, owner on uh, an, an upcoming podcast that's got some other helpful insights on this. Yeah. Anyway, good conversation. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this market update. Uh, hang in there. This market is such a fun ride. It's like riding a bull sometimes. But uh, I am extremely optimistic and I am continuing to buy as much real estate as I can possibly afford. And hopefully, you will do the same. Love it. Thanks, Thanks everybody. That was awesome. Thanks. You've been listening to the Red Sign Podcast, a deep dive into legacy wealth building through real estate. See you next time.